What up, guys? What's up, So, welcome to Living a Stress Life Podcast. I'm your host, Tiffany Story. And I'm your host, Lamar Story. Welcome. <laughs> and so, tonight, we are talking about developing a marriage mindset. So, I'm saying tonight, um, but every week, we record our podcast and when we record our podcast we also go live so if you hear us pausing during um the recording the live recording i'm over here actually working with um you know my other equipment for the podcast um but let's let's do a check-in let's get get into it let's do it (laughs) so how how was your um how was your day my day was actually pretty busy. Mm, I had a full schedule today. Um, a lot of massages back to back. And at the end of the day, I was tired. What I was looking forward to was getting out in the wind, to a little wind therapy. That's what we, us motorcyclists call it. <laughs> yeah, motorcyclist. I'm a motorcyclist now. <laughs> but um, some wind therapy. So even though it was 30-some degrees when I left out this morning, it felt good. And on my way home, all I could think about was ending these massages, getting on my bike for some more wind therapy. Hmm. Yeah, so <laughs> him and his his bicycle is a whole conversation and podcast. That's and my new a, girlfriend. And he'll be down in the garage talking to his girlfriend, letting her know what the weather looked like and when they're going to be able to hang out again. It's, yeah. It's a little That's disturbing. my honeybee. <laughs> Anywho, like my I, daddy used to call the young ladies back in the day, honeybees. That's my honeybee. As far as my week, I am in uh, high anticipation of what this inauguration is going to look like tomorrow. So we have the first black woman, black and woman, um, VP to be sworn in tomorrow. We got. Um, President-elect Biden, who will be sworn in as the president tomorrow. And so, and then we got a whole bunch of idiots. Yeah, a whole bunch of people who are not feeling the uh, new president-elect and his VP-elect. And so I'm just kind of anxious to see how this process is going to go tomorrow. Uh, and honestly, I'm, I'm interested to see how things will change, how things will change politically, uh, what kind of policies and and things will go in place, how our, our uh, economy will be impacted, how our relationships with other countries will be impacted, and just how our overall everyday life will be impacted. Because with every presidency or every change in in political elected figures, it seems to always be some type of cultural shift or, you know, um, what I'm lo- most environmental shift. looking forward to is the mindset of America. How will the mindset of America change? Because right now, with 45 in office, the mindset of America is just... Like, people just really want to just, like, skip these last four years. <laughs> like, mentally skip these last four years. I hate my children even had to experience um, this this presidency. And the mindset of America right now has been a lot of hatred, a lot of bigotry, a lot of lying. I'm ready for the mindset of America to change in a positive direction. 
and to actually have someone in office that looks and acts like a president. I think what you said is a key word, though, change. I think that the mindset didn't really change. I think it just unearthed a lot of things that were undercover. People felt the freedom to really expose how they feel. Mm -hmm. I also believe that, you know, this presidency has um, really encouraged um, some toxic behavior. So, um, anyway, change is good most of the time. I think the last four years has been a roller coaster. I'm looking forward to having leaders in the White House that actually actually act like adults and you know have class. Um, I you know I don't I don't know if I have any expectations that these polit- politicians these these new newly elected politicians will actually follow through with the promises they've made. Um, when they were running and campaigning. However, I do feel um, that at least we will get some class back into the White House. Yes. Anyway, that's our check-in. But we're going to get into this week's topic, which is developing a marriage mindset. You ready to do it? Let's do it. Let's do it. We're two self-care experts, a massage therapist, and a licensed professional counselor, husband and wife and parents of three, business owners and working professionals, who have intimate experience with stress both professionally and personally. Our podcast aims to teach the everyday professional how to live through the stresses in life while learning to be their best in life. So, developing a marriage mindset, you know... What do you mean by that? Well, that's what we're about to talk about. <laughs> Tell me what it is then, Tiffany. Stop playing with the people. Okay, so I think that it's really important to kind of just discuss right now just relationships. I think I hear so many uh, single people say how hard it is to find um, a worthy suitor or um, a person that's compatible and worthy of marriage and so I can't really speak from a man's perspective so I'm glad I got my main man here um but I think I would like to have a a really interesting conversation and hopefully a conversation that warrants a lot of audience feedback about preparing yourself mentally emotionally physically and spiritually for entering into a union with another person um you know so, so many times when people enter into marriage, I wonder how many of those people actually um, really reflect or or assess the words that they say, the vows that they take. I mean, I know many of us hear it so often attending weddings or watching weddings on TV. We hear about those vows, but do they really resonate with people personally when they enter into marriage and do they recognize that? the the vows are written because marriage is not something easy it is a commitment um but it's also something you have to commit to daily and so we just thought it would be interesting to have this conversation um we've been married for 15 years and we've been together for about about 19 years and so our relationship has looked different over this 
you know, our history of being together. I won't say any part of our marriage has looked the exact same because people evolve, people mature, hopefully. Um, and so marriage is just a ever-changing um, process. Yeah. What are your thoughts about what What are your thoughts about what it means to develop a marriage mindset? Um, developing a marriage mindset starts before marriage, right? Yeah. So it's about a lot of self work, and a lot of times we're not knowledgeable that we need to do the self work before we get married, because we're just living life. You're just you know you're dating different people, you're um just living life you're not really working on yourself i don't know many people that have just like went to counseling and therapy and all this stuff for themselves before they got married to work on themselves with intention mm-hmm. and preparing themselves for marriage mm-hmm. dealing with old wounds or from your past relationships or even just from your upbringing um, because most of the time you're so young, you don't realize you even have these wounds. It's not until you get into a serious relationship that things start popping up. Mm-hmm. And then you're trying to figure out where this come from. Mm-hmm. If you're trying to figure out where it's come from. <laughs> so it takes a mature person to get into a marriage and make it work. Um, we were just reading a statistic during, the, during this past year. There's only been 39% of divorce, right? The divorce yeah. rate has dropped. Has actually dropped. For the first time in 50 years. Yeah. To 39%. On the other hand, this is how statistics work. There's less people getting married. <laughs> so out of a thousand people, I think this past year, only like 33, 33. people. 33 people out of a thousand are For getting married. For every 1,000. Yeah. And back in the 70s, it was like 98 people out of a thousand that was getting married. So, um, there's something going on. Like, even during the pandemic, at first it was like, well, more people are probably getting divorced because they're tired. But they actually found out that people were staying together. Like, even in our relationship, our relationship got better during the pandemic because you eliminated some of the stressors, which was all the on-the-go stuff. Job, taking kids to practice, doing this, doing that. There was a lot of stressors that got eliminated during the pandemic. Which caused you to focus on your family. Well, I also think it was a different stressor that uh, the stressor that kind of came during the pandemic is a a stressor that could push people together. Like Mm. when you think about the fact that people are dying, they're dying in hospitals by themselves when they have COVID. They're Mm. not able to have loved ones. I think what it did is it caused people to not have to focus on things outside of the household. And your focus primarily became, how do I take care of the people in this house? How do I keep them safe? And how do we prioritize being able to stay above water? Mm -hmm. And so I think where your focus might have been shifted on running companies. And and I'm sure there were some people who did have those stressors. If you think about business owners and how, you know, it was really different different for the two of us initially because, you know, I'm an employee, even though we co-own the business, I don't work in the business. I kind of you know do things that I can do on my own time and outside of work and you work in day in and day out that's your main source of income and you're the one who brings in the most money from this business and so I do think there was different type of stressors but the stressor the the focus became family the focus became 
um, you know, taking care of your legacy, your inheritance and, you know, what, you know, what belongs to you mm-hmm. versus focusing on all this other stuff that's just distractions. So let's let's get into um, marriage mindset. I think Lamar and I both kind of did our own reflecting on what we think um, you should focus on when you're preparing yourself or trying to develop yourself to be a a partner or a spouse. And so for me, I think my list is a little bit different from his list. I, I will say I think, you know, I kind of, you know, always do what I do and research and see what other people are saying. And I think I just took what I thought personally and what I read um, just searching, you know, other people clinicians advice I merged those together and for me I think it's important to work on yourself like you Lamar said do a lot of self-work right work on your own personality work on developing relation skills and interpersonal skills but also um, I think it's important to really focus on what are your goals for your life and your marriage and where are you trying to get to in life? And then having conversations that are centered around what you see for your future, what you see for your future kids, what do you see for your yourself, you know, in retirement? Um, what do you see for your finances? Those are things that really should be discussed. So uh, developing a marriage mindset is all about, you know, who am I? What what issues or baggage do I have that I need to heal from or work through? Um, what kind of skills do I need to actually be in a relationship with somebody and a relationship that is sustainable, that can be maintained over time? Because no relationship is perfect and no relationship is going to be happy all the time. And then does this is this person truly compatible with me does their outlook for their future and for their family um does it align with what i see for myself kind of what what did you what do you think is important when you for a man when he's preparing for marriage what kind of things should he be evaluating well i think there's some do's and don'ts right so you have to first realize that you have an accountability partner that means that as a single guy, sometimes you can be like, you know what? This weekend, I'm just going to up and go to Atlanta with the fellows and we're going to kick it. Yeah. But when you're married, and sometimes people will look like, oh, you got to get permission from your wife. You got to get permission from your wife, bro. <laughs> so just like, you know, you just can't be like, hey, oh, by the way, I'm going to, um, to Atlanta this weekend. She's going to be looking at you crazy like, what? Yeah. What you mean? You weren't going to tell me? Or it's just, you don't you know, so having that respect to say, look, especially if it's pre-planned, if it's pre-planned, hey, you know, me and the fellas think about going to Atlanta this weekend, do you mind if I split? Do you mind if I go with? Mm-hmm. You know, just giving that respect to your spouse, right? And I just say, hey, man, we just got a last minute trip. We're going to Atlanta. Uh, it's Friday. I'll be back Sunday. Yeah. You know, that's kind of disrespectful, you know. Um, so you had to first realize that, hey, you do have an accountability partner now. You got somebody that's that's going to hold you accountable, and especially if there are kids involved and stuff like that. Something, you just have to be mindful of the other person. When you're single, of course, you don't have to do all that stuff. You just go on a whim. You know, your friends and family come down for the weekend, and you gone. You know what I'm saying? But 
when you're in a relationship, you got to think about the other person. So another thing is, as a man, especially as a man, I think this is when it goes to women too, especially women, because I think I think men expect to pay the bill when it comes to a woman. Mm-hmm. So when it comes to money situations, we expect to take care of everything, right? And why? I think you said why. Yeah. Why? Why? Yeah. I think that's just gender roles. Traditional gender. Tra- traditional gender roles. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like incorporated into being a man. It's almost like if you're not a man, if you can't take her out to eat and, you know, wine and dine her or pay the bills at the house. Which is really interesting because that you say that because I think you have a lot of women today who are really independent, who can come into relationships making a lot of money. They don't really need financial support from a man. But I do think that... But they do, though. Well, hold on. Let me finish making my point. I think they don't need the financial support from a man, but they have an expectation that the man is going to come in and provide financial support. And I also think... Really independent women sometimes send mixed messages because they say things like, I don't need a man to take care of me. I got my own money and all this kind of stuff. But if a man came in and was just like, OK, well, we split the bills 50 50. It'd be like, oh, we doing what now? You know, since so we going Dutch, you know, what or since you made the most money, and you need to pay most of the bills. And I think a lot of women who want to be independent and who make statements like I got my own, I can take care of my own would be seriously offended from a man who comes in and says, you make most of the money, you carry most of the weight. And there's some, there may be some women who are whole and healthy and who don't have any issues with that. But you find that a lot of women, even, even if they got their own, their money is their money and your money is our money, right? And so... That's how I feel. Yeah. <laughs> you I don't see a check. You, you see how shady and petty he is. <laughs> Anyway, I just want fifty dollars to eat. <laughs> Can I get fifty dollars for the week? <laughs> I'm on a lounge with the kids. Anyway, I just want to get my Chick Fil A. As long as I get my Chick Fil A, we all right. <laughs> I had time. I had time for your shame and your pettiness. What I was going to say is, I think that's something that. I felt like is a focus for for women is to figure out what it is that you're really asking for. What do you really want? Because I hear you say all the time that you're confused by. But women things. don't know what they want. Huh? You, you just make general statements. They like, don't. Okay. So women do men, not know what they so want. So men have a clear understanding of what they want. Yes. Because your mind changes like the wind. No, we do. Now, if y'all going to give it to us or not, that's another thing. We have an idea of exactly what we want. The lies this dude is telling. Oh, we do know what we want. Okay. But women, they don't know what they want. First, they want to sit at home, not do nothing, not paying the bills, and have a man take care of them. Then, they want to be independent. Oh, I want to own a business. I want to do this and this and this and this and that. Then, they tired. You know, I'm tired. Why I got to be out here? I got to cook, clean, and go out here and work. I'm like, girl, what do you want? I don't think women actually believe what they want. And I'm going to stick to that. No, and, I, and I think it's a phase. It's an up and down curve. And I think it's just women are easily influenced by their friends and outside influences to determine what they want. 
They don't want to fit into gender roles. No. And don't want to stay at home and take care of the kids and cook and take care of the family. Because for some reason, all of a sudden, that's not worthy enough. Like back in the day, that was cherished. If you could find a woman that can cook and that can raise good children and can teach the children, oh my God, you you had a gold mine. I nowadays, don't think that's a good example. Nowadays, because of the feminist movement, <laughs> no, we get into a whole different thing. I was about to say, you about but to start some mess. Because start back some mess. In, Let's start some hold, mess. Hold on. Because back in the day, even though those were cherished qualities, women also didn't really have a lot of say-so. So you also, and you also had men who had a whole nother family that lived down the street that the wife was aware of but couldn't do nothing about because women were not given the same opportunities in the workplace as men. So we ain't going to even go there. It's not gonna be <laughs> Marcus feel me Marcus feel me <laughs> We're going to get back to this marriage mindset I do think That as women We have to identify What it is that we want But I also think that To your point about women not knowing What they want I think that women struggle with With Being true to themselves While also trying To to be true to their family, true to their kids and available to their kids and, and serving their family and making time for their spouses while not putting themselves on the back burner. And I think that we go back and forth about that because we'll commit to it and recognize that that is not giving us satisfaction or that we're our needs are not being met or our dreams are not being accomplished. So I'm going to say this. Now, I massage thousands of women, over 10,000. So, he think that make him a woman whisper, y'all. What's up, just... Stephanie? That's all I say. Don't, don't be yes, on my side. Yes, no, 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 no. So, So, I massage thousands of women. There has been one particular woman that came in, and she broke it down. She said, I was like, you know, I always ask, well, what do you do for a living? She's like, I stay at home. I take care of the kids. I cook. I clean. My husband take care of everything. And I love it. Mm-hmm. And she was so happy. I was like, whoa. Out of these thousands of women, I heard this one woman say how happy she was. And then I have a ton of other stories <laughs> that people are just like overly stressed out. Overly doing things, it's too much stress. Both parents working and doing this and all that. But she, she was like, she was settled into that role. She was like, my husband, he dropped her off at the spa, get a massage. He came back and picked her up, met her, shook, her, shook her hand. And it, I almost hugged the man. I was like, man, I love y'all. But that's <laughs> that is an important piece, and I think that women could appreciate staying at home if there was appreciation for what they do. And I think oftentimes husbands don't really recognize how much it it takes out of you to be an at-home mom. First of all, you're cut off from a lot of adult interaction. You know, when you're, your primary job is to just be at home, take care of kids, and take care of the family, unless your husband is financially stable, Unless he values, even if he's not 
making a lot of money, he prioritizes you being able to take care of yourself and get a break from those responsibilities, doing things like making sure that there are days you don't have to cook or making sure that there are times where you're able to just get out and and focus on yourself. Unless those things are prioritized, you don't enjoy it. I've been an at-home mom. And there were times that I enjoyed enjoyed being there for my kids. I don't think my kid, I realized how important it was to our children until I stopped doing stuff like showing up at every, um, thank you, pal. You you better be my amen corner. Go on, clap for us, Stephanie. You're going to be the only one. <laughs> That's a lie. <laughs> but I don't think I realized how much it meant to my family until I stopped doing those things. But if you have a spouse who feels like, I'm doing all this stuff. I'm having to, you know, carry all the bills and you want to buy this or you want to go here. I can't do both if I'm the only one bringing in money. Like you can't have those type of complaints. And so to get us back on topic of being in the marriage mindset, you have to recognize when you go into a relationship to what is it that you want, right? And then what is it going to take? marriage. To make you happy, and this he, is something that's he been itching, he been itching to say that, y'all, because I told him I disagree with that statement. But go ahead and say your little funky look, statement. Don't look for <laughs> marriage to make you happy. If you're an unhappy person before you get married, and then you're like, "Oh, I found this this great person, and she's gonna make me happy," and you know, it starts off beautiful, and then this thing, y'all get married, and you know, all of this stuff every day, and then what is the clapping? And then you know. That's going to dwindle. Mm-hmm. And if you're not happy before you get married, you're going to turn into a, you're going to turn right back, revert right back into that unhappy person. And matter of fact, you might make your spouse just as unhappy. You need to be happy first with who you are, right? Y'all need to be settled into who you are first. And then as two individual happy people, come together and have a happy marriage. But don't expect marriage to make you happy. Well can I get a man? I I think it's also it's important good teaching. It's also important for people to recognize that happiness is a choice. You know, just like love is a choice. <clears throat> a lot of times we go off the way we feel. We fall in love. We feel in love. Um uh, Marcus is being your amen. Yes, sir. <laughs> so, you know, a lot of times we focus on how we feel when we enter a relationship. This person, they make me feel this way, right? But you can feel like you don't love someone. And so you have to recognize that love and happiness is a choice. It is something that you're actively doing because at the end of the day, there are going to be things that occur in your relationship where you don't feel like you love that person or you are challenged like, do I even like you? You know what I'm saying? But I think that if you put yourself in this place where you recognize this relationship is going to take work, it's going to go up and down, there are going to be some hills and some valleys, I think that you can have a successful marriage. One of the things that I, I really want to focus on is what type of skills do you need to bring into a relationship? A lot of us don't really, for one, assess qualities. Because I talked about that. Like, really assessing, are you patient? 
Are you forgiving? Do you know how to express gratitude? Like those are some real uh qualities that you need to assess. If you know that you're impatient, like you so are that's like emotional intelligence. I mean, yeah, yeah so you what, have to have some level of emotional, emotional intelligence, intelligence or yeah. you need a good therapist mm-hmm. or some good friends that mm-hmm. just be like, you impatient and ain't no man going to deal with that. Or you impatient and ain't no woman going to deal, put up with that. Mm-hmm. You know, assessing those qualities, but then moving along to those skills, like how do you communicate? Like me and Lamar's communication styles are not compatible. Like we are like water and oil sometimes. So and, this how it typically works. Tiffany is loud, and she can't and help dramatic. it, and dramatic, and all this stuff. And I'm more calm and laid back. So when we're having a discussion or argument, <laughs> because or just discussion, if she called discussion, it sounds like an argument on my side. But um, <laughs> but when we're having discussions, I do a lot of active listening. You know, even she's the mental health counselor, but I feel like I act like more of the counselor. Don't be trying to be shady because I'm just saying because I sit back, I listen, I try to, and at first, I couldn't take my time with a response because you know women. Um, Stephanie <laughs> say, says heated fellowship. Heated fellowship, all right. Yes. Because <laughs> you know, I really couldn't take my time with a response because if I think too long. My wife would be like, well, what you think? I'm like, nigga. <laughs> I need to process everything you just said. Like, she'll talk for 10 minutes and be like, what you think about that? I'd be like, what part? You know what I'm saying? Like, huh. yeah, so it, you know, it takes some skills. You do have to have, like she was saying, it has, you have to have some skills. Active listening is a skill. Actually, having a conversation is a a skill set. And when you want to learn how to break down the argument, this is one tip that I'm gonna give to you. When you're having a conversation with your wife or uh, heated fellowship, as <laughs> Stephanie say, take out a notepad, write down notes about what whatever do she's saying. Don't See, that's <laughs> the difference. I'm, I'm just being but the funny. thing I'm being as a fellows. Listen to me. Take down a notepad because she's going to talk for 20 minutes and ask you what you think. And you need to know every topic that she talked about. <laughs> so get you a notepad and be like, okay, boom. Give me 30 minutes. And I'll come back and let you know what I think about everything you just said. Well, I also think it's, it's about recognizing how you engage when you have been emotionally triggered. And I've I've made this... Um, comment and said this multiple times for me it's really easy for me to be a therapist in a room when I have no emotional connection or involvement in what my clients are talking about so I can be an active listener because it's not emotionally triggering for me or I'm not I'm not investing it in in what they're saying emotionally I don't have a dog in the fight my my job as a therapist is to hear them out and help guide them to a resolution you know, it's not to give advice. It's really to listen to them, reframe what they're saying back to them so they can hear their own I want you to do that thoughts. with me. Okay. And I'm going to try to work on that. The difference is <laughs> when I'm talking to Lamar, Jesus. it's just the way we communicate. It's very, very different. And so what I've learned, one of my self-revelations um, 
throughout our, the time we've been married is that when I'm emotionally triggered and I feel frustrated, I don't think. That is a normal physiological response to being emotionally triggered. I mean, if you do research on... That's your on, first time admitting that. No, that, that's not. You yes, just don't, it is. See, he don't listen. You said you don't think. Listen. You just said when you emotionally... I didn't say I don't... I, I have a hard time thinking. Oh, Lord. He's so petty. I'm glad this recorded. Anyway. We can always go back to this moment. But I've, min- I've, minutes? 32 minutes. I've said this multiple times. Oh when God, I'm emotionally gosh. triggered, if I'm talking to someone that I'm emotionally invested in, then minutes. I have a hard time thinking. You know? So, I do listen. But the other part about it is it takes me a little longer to process now, what Lamar is not saying is that I can go away from a conversation and come back another, uh, like a day or two later and have a different type of conversation. If it's something that he's bringing to me the first time and I'm emotionally triggered, my response then may be very different if I have two days. But it is literally like a like a trauma response. You know, I'm like I'm triggered and then my f- fight or flight responses go into effect. You know, and his is different. I'm more of a fight and he's more of a flight person. That is really how how we work in terms of communication. Like what if, you mean by that? Like if you've been emotionally triggered, you withdraw. You like you don't like conflict. You know what I'm saying? So you immediately kind of shut down and just sit back. Do it? Yeah. That's that's your natural response. Whereas for me, when I'm emotionally triggered, I'm a fighter. So I imagine I automatically or naturally go into attack mode. It's two different types of survival skills. Both of them are our survival skills, but our responses to being emotionally triggered is very different. And so our responses causes each other anxiety. I don't want to get too much off a of topic, but she shut me down. <laughs> yeah, I see that she knew I'm about to respond. She no, I, no, I, if you want to respond, no, that's fine. I, but. For understanding your communication style, understanding your own emotional baggage. <laughs> I'll take your flight. <laughs> you so, so It's <laughs> really, really important. Also, understanding boundaries is very important. And, you know, I won't even say, thank you, pal. Thank you. I won't even say that, um, I won't talk about us specifically when it comes to boundaries, but I'll give a good example of understanding the importance of boundary. Um, last, sometime last year, my, my husband and my son had gotten into a, a disagreement and my son was walking off. He was extremely heated. Lamar was extremely heated and my son was walking off and Lamar kept telling him to come back. Um, and he was not listening. I mean, they were like basically ready to fight. And so. Sometimes you got to be that age. Anyway, it really was about <laughs> to lead to like a physical altercation. And my son was really emotionally distraught. And Lamar was not calming down. And one of the things I said to him when um, when I was able to pull him aside and separate him was he communicated several times. Just give him a minute. Like, just just leave him alone. He may not have done it in the most appropriate way, but both of you guys were here, right? I'm trying to see that. Both of you guys were here. Who, who said give me a minute? 
Jaden, he he just kept saying, you know, he kept saying, leave him alone. You remember what happened? I remember clearly what happened. I'm I'm giving the okay, edited go ahead, version. Go ahead, go ahead. So in anyway, in essence, what I said to him was. Because he was heightened, this is the way he communicated, but what he was asking for in that moment was space. And because he's your child, you felt like he you're the adult, and because he didn't say it in a respectful way, he did not get space. But honestly, when he was given the space, he came back and apologized on his own because my husband thought I told him to apologize for his behavior and the things that he said. But when he was given the space and the time to really process what happened, he came by, back and admitted to his his actions and apologized on his own. Mm-hmm. You know, you you trying your best to recall. No, I recall every moment. We recording. <laughs> um, so for me, I think it's important to really point out Text me what you want. First of all, we recording the podcast, so I don't feel like editing that out. Okay, oh, I'm sorry. So anyway, um, <laughs> bottom line is, ask the boy to give me his phone. He didn't. That that, that we wouldn't even he, get into all he that. He bumped my shoulder. Now, as a man, as a man, this is not on marriage mindset. Listen, <laughs> as a man, cause she ain't tell you the full story. On purpose. As a man, <laughs> anybody come by you and bump your shoulder when it's already hostile grounds, that's a big no-no. And then for your child to bump your shoulder, ball pot, pass you like you a punk. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, what's the next one? We were talking about boundaries. Okay, Do you ahead. think that's important? Because I think yeah. when early in our marriage, that was something... Um, that you and I struggle with. I felt like you struggled with respecting the fact that it took much longer for me to de-escalate. Or, uh, Stacey said that means it's time to throw hands when they bump your shoulder. Pat, don't be encouraging that. Don't be encouraging that. See? That's my pal. (laughs) (laughs) But, I feel like early in our relationship, that was something we had to adjust. Like, it took me a much longer time to get over things. And then Lamar, like, five minutes after argument, want to hug and kiss and be like, I'm sorry. And I just be like, look, get out of my space, you know? And so... Emotional. Yeah, it, I may have been. But I think it's taken over the years that cool down time for me has gotten much better. But I think it's also about us learning to respect each other's boundaries, which sometimes I think we still struggle with. I know I do still struggle with. And that goes right into um, being emotionally mature. So you have to make sure that you're emotionally mature before you get into a marriage, right? So what I mean by that is, if you don't know how to handle anger, if you don't know how to handle um, someone having a difference of opinion than yourself, if you don't know how to handle situations like that um, before you get into a marriage, that means you have some work to do, That's right? True. There's some work to do. Like my wife and I watched a show last night. Um, um, I forget the name of the show, but it was on Netflix. We was watching a show last night and the guy, his girlfriend was in Paris. Oh. And she, and she wanted to go. Something bling. Yeah. She wanted to go shopping with her friend that she was with, two females. Now, as a man, if we in Paris and they like, we're going shopping, I don't want to go anyway. <laughs> but dude was asleep, so they went shopping. Some men are shoppers. Though. And, I mean, he cussing her out all over the phone and all this stuff. And 
I was like, that's emotional immaturity. Yeah. Right? When there's trust in a relationship, you don't have to go through stuff like that. There's also crazy. Yeah. And he was, I think he was a little crazy. You don't have to go through stuff like that. So anybody listening to this, when you're in a situation when somebody don't, you're confused. Just like she was. She feels like she's in love. She was like, but this happens on a regular basis. Yeah. You know, he'll just fly off the handle crazy, calling her names, and then come back and apologize. What we call that in counseling is a, a pit bull. He has a pit bull mentality. You know what I'm saying? They might cuddle all up next to you and bite you in the other hand. You know what I'm saying? When you're meeting someone like that. That's called if emotionally abusive. Emotionally abusive, but... You know, they described them as a, having a pit bull mentality, yeah. right? So when you're involved with somebody like that before marriage, please don't take it to the next level until those issues are resolved. Completely. Completely. Or, Get counseling or just leave. And I can't even say completely. And let me even define <clears throat> what I mean by crazy because I don't want people to think just if you have some emotional instability or mental instability that you're crazy. Crazy is when you really get into this place where you're in a like crazed. You know what I'm saying? Like you have lost all awareness of your your affect, all awareness of how you're communicating. Like you are in a like a zone in a trance, and that's how that guy was. Mm -hmm. I mean, and you could see after the <clears throat> fact that he knows. That he's aware that he goes completely over the edge, but that's a really important that you're emotionally that you're emotionally mature because if you go into a relationship and you haven't dealt with your your baggage, if you truly love somebody, what ends up happening is you continue to injure that person, you continue to hurt them, and and there's one thing that I I some advice I was given earlier on after I had been married a little bit that I try to be mindful of is never saying anything that hits below the belt that you can't take back. Cause I think men are a little different from women. If I, you know, and you correct me if I'm wrong, that we, when we as women say things out of anger, even if you forgive us for it, you never truly recover from that. Whereas women, I feel like, I feel like it's easier for us to move forward. You know what I'm saying? Like if we even think about infidelity, you know, I know every case is unique, but just if we had to generalize, I think in more instances, you have women who will forgive a man and move forward in a marriage when they've been unfaithful. Whereas a man and when a woman has been unfaithful to them, that it's pretty, much a, pretty much a, a relationship uh a deal breaker you know yeah, it, nobody it got time permanently ends a relationship and so i what i've learned early in marriage and what I, you know a woman who had an older woman who had been married for some time who was i think i think let me take that back so i was just joking so it is harder for men to kind of get over it right but i think when both people are mature <clears throat> like i'm at a space now and I was just talking about myself personally. We had to really come to grips to what we think a marriage is, right? We think that we're going to get married, and from that moment on, no one will ever make another mistake. Do we? 
Yeah, people think that. Like, happily ever after. Happily ever after. Happily ever after. That's true. That's a myth. You know what I mean? Where did that phase go? You, you, like as soon as you jump the broom, you're happily ever after. Mm-hmm. No one else is going to make a mistake after you jump that broom. We're, we're all human. We're all capable of missing the mark at some point in our life. Yeah. Right? So I'm at the point now that if infidelity happens or something else happens, am I going to actually throw away my whole experience with this person? Yeah, I'm going to just take that as it comes. I can't even. Well, I'm saying, I'm talking for me. Yeah. You know, it's just, I can't see myself throwing away a whole experience. I have a wife, three kids, and the foundation that I built. And just because somebody made a mistake, I'm gonna throw away the whole experience. I feel the same way, but I'm like, I also I'm I, I'm just not. To me, that makes no sense, because then you're gonna go out and search for something that you probably won't ever find again. You're looking for perfection, and no one is perfect. And I think a lot of us are out here looking for perfection, and not realizing that nobody's perfect. I also feel. Like, it also depends on what emotional space you're in when that type of trauma happens. Because I think if you are in a very settled place emotionally and you're good, then you can recover better from that trauma. If your relationship was in a good space for a good, maybe a good period of time, you know, I think it's that you can better recover. But I feel like if you're in a space where you're unhappy within yourself and your spouse cheats on you and you're already in an insecure or emotionally unstable place, then your response or the trauma from that that act may be more damaging. So I, I, I feel like I share that sentiment that I'm in a space where I wouldn't just throw my whole marriage down the drain. And, and me and my best friend talked about this before, like, when I think about the idea of getting a divorce and then I think about where I am, I'm like, I've given this person 15 years of my life, three children, all of my youth, love, support, sleepless nights, tears, fears, all that stuff. It, You think I'm going to just throw that away for you to go get some other woman a few years down the line that's going to get to enjoy all the work I put into you because you won the whole person before I got you. I mean, when, think about it. We got married young. You know what I'm saying? We had a lot of growth. We've grown up together. So I had to deal with all the baggage. Up yeah, I had to deal with all this stuff. And then you about to come in and enjoy this and then that. Oh, hell no. Like, we going we gonna to work this out and you, we going to be happy. Or else. Or else. Death Damn. do us part. I'm scared. Okay. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm scared. Anywho, getting back to focusing on a marriage mindset. It kind of brings me to those type of conversations and questions you need to have prior to getting married. Like, Lamar brought up some really good points. But I think you, there are other things that need to be explored. Like, sexual expectations. I think that was those are sexual expectations. Like, you hear people say, you know, or make jokes about them not being on the same page sexually. Oh, my man, my wife don't never give me none. I probably give some once a month or all this stuff. Whereas you might've had a, a healthy sex life prior to getting married. And then when you get married and other things come along, th- your sex life changes. And I think those are conversations 
that mature adults, if you are in a place where you are really strongly considering being in a marriage or a long-term relationship that you are hoping to lead to marriage, you should have these conversations. You know, what are your sexual expectations, especially when things change, when we have kids? What what do you think is the actual actual minimum amount of sex you can have and still be satisfied? If I'm not in a place where I can satisfy you sexually because of whatever what other forms of intimacy do you need? Those are conversations that I think as of a couple of being married 15 years, we're still having, you know? And so... Yeah, because there's been times when I came home, like, I need something. And then there's been times where you were like, it's time. You know what I'm saying? And it's just like, you know, it's... <laughs> you know, I'm here to please. <laughs> no, <laughs> no I'm just, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but you know that that's those are real conversations though. You know what I'm saying? Because for me, like my whole attitude changes when it's time for me. You know what I'm saying? And when <laughs> yeah, but hold on. What you said, Stephen? A wise a wise person once said, "Don't go into." It burning up the bed if you ain't gonna maintain it. I got that same advice, pal. I got that same advice. Don't go in there, turn the trick four or five times a, a, a week. If a year from now you ain't gonna be able to do that, and who gave y'all that bad advice? First of all, that's great advice. That is not good advice. Why? First of all, cause y'all not men. That's why. So, so obviously, you got that advice from another woman. Hold on. So, are you telling me that? If you went from when you first got married having sex every single day to That's a what year, we did hold on, hold on. <laughs> first of all, let me tell my oh. business. <laughs> oh, she said it was from me. Thank you, pal. <laughs> Somebody else she gave, gave me. you some bad advice. Your auntie gave me that advice. Who? <laughs> we ain't gonna put that. We ain't gonna put her on up. Auntie. <laughs> Oh no! <laughs> no, but for real, for real. If if you go from doing that every single day to all of a sudden things drastically changing, because when we got married, soon after we got married, I was pregnant again, and I was sick as a dog. You know what I'm saying? Things change. Your hormones change. Your emotions change. Your marriage situation change. <laughs> <laughs> she told you on the bachelorette night. I'm still trying to figure out what auntie told you. <laughs> this is going to be a problem. But listen, you know, when you it's go into the relationship terrible. giving so much and being so passionate, it is a huge disappointment when that's no longer the case. But Don't you, you should think? give to, from your heart. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I do. Give from your heart. You know? And I think, I think at the time you have to realize and just be open to being in the moment with each other. You know what I'm saying? So. <laughs> but at the time, just being in the moment with each other. See, like, so we can have an argument. Mm -hmm. But I don't, after the argument, I don't look at you like, I just hate this person. Because of what we discussed. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, you do. Like, if we have an argument, oh, you have a look on your face like, I think sometimes I need to leave. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, dang, do I need to leave? 
<laughs> you know what I'm saying? So I don't mind hugging you and stuff after an argument because that's to me. Not saying that you're emotionally immature, but we just deal with it different kind of ways. My, no, I mean, my thing is, it's like, <clears throat> think of it like this. I'm more like a a kettle, right, or a teapot. If you put me on and boil me, as soon as you turn the eye off, I'm not just going to cool off. I need time to adjust back to room temperature. Lamar is not like that. He feels like as soon as you turn the eye off, it's ice cold. That's not how nature works in most situations. You know what I'm saying? It's just like getting an erection. It slowly goes up and it can slowly go down. You know what I'm saying? So my thing is there are things that it takes time to get them elevated. So it also takes time to, to de-escalate. And so I need that time to process because also in the heat of the moment, I am not always processing fully. So th during that time of de-escalating, I'm actually processing how I feel, what was said, how does that make me feel? Are there some things that I need to be working on and working through? And so that's, again, going back to understanding when you enter into a marriage, your partner's communication style may be different. You know, now I, I will say that I, and it can change and opposites tend to attract. Like when we were early in our marriage, one of the things that used to aggravate me and then became humorous to me is that when we would have an argument and he wouldn't want to hug and stuff and I'd be like, get off of me. He'll be like, you scared a little. Why you scared a little? Be chasing me scared around the house. <laughs> After a while, it did allow me to be able to de-escalate a lot quicker. But at first, it used to really frustrate me because it's just like, I need this time to evolve. He's holding my hands because he... <laughs> I'm so dramatic. Anyway, moving on to other things. Discussing money. It, money tends to be a real big deal breaker. Yeah. And so we kind of talked about how women a lot of times have this mindset that your money is our money and my money is my money. Well, you really should be having conversations around finances because mm -hmm. people... Um, who don't have conversation about finances sometimes find themselves in really sticky situations. Like I have heard of so many relationships where women have huge credit card debt that their husbands are unaware of. Like I'm talking about twenty, thirty, fifty thousand dollars of debt. Um, sometimes your partner can have a gambling problem. Do they have good credit? Like that's a question you should talk about before let's you talk get in a about, relationship. Let's talk about how to set these things up. Like, and, and some people differ on this. So when it comes to the money, when you, after you get married, people are like, everything should be in one pot, right? Well, I think it's helpful for her to have her own account, for me to have an account, and then we have a joint account. I don't do nothing in my account. My account is the joint account. But anyway. Yeah. I, mean, I don't really do nothing in my account. I can barely get a Chick-fil-A sandwich because <laughs> my allowance is only $50 a month. <laughs> But no, <laughs> but um, <laughs> as long as I get my cheek for late. But I think I think that's really helpful because what it does is it allows to have for each one of you to have some individual freedoms, and then you come together and say, "Hey, this is what this is for the household. This is for the house. We got vacation. We got the kids stuff and the savings, right?" So. When you're able to do all of those things and still have your own little pockets of money on the side, I think it kind of creates a little freedom 
within the relationship. That's just my personal opinion. About I mean, I think I think that's a great suggestion, but I also think it's important to have conversations, transparent conversations about finances too. You know, I might not know how much money Lamar has spending money. I really don't care because there's trust in our relationship, but. That's because we are completely aware of what each other's financial situation is, what each other's credit looks like. Now, I I, I do believe that... I go bounce out and buy a motorcycle on that. <laughs> no, that's what I do believe that it's also important that there has to be... You should share the responsibility of finances. And I don't think that also always happens when he talking about his Chick-fil-A money. If I die tomorrow, Lamar probably wouldn't know what bills were were paid. So I try to this keep try to keep a record every month of what I've paid and I plan my bills out because if I die he won't know what's been paid, what's due. I keep you know, I keep certain stuff stored certain places so he know he can access passwords and things like that because the reality is he focuses on solely just the business finances. He don't know uh, what the power bill is. When he see a bill in the mail, be like, dog, why does it bill that much? I'm like, the bill that much every month, you know? So I think it's important to... Like I said, I don't see my checks. I get $50 a month. Stop telling that. Stop telling that lie. I said, hey, check come, it's gone. If I buy a Chick-fil-A from the wrong account, she'd be calling me like, hey, what you did? Spend $13 on a salad? I was like, baby, I don't spend $13 this month. Yeah. <laughs> I can't even spend $13 yeah. this month. We are not going to pay attention to how petty he been. Anywho, I, it, that, there... Thank God no for lies tips. Detected. Thank God for tills, boy. If I ain't had tills, I wouldn't have no money. That's because he chose that to look at the money. Anywho, <laughs> that's pretty much all I have is, <clears throat> I mean, I kind of want to just recap what my suggestions are and then read. I do want to bring this up, though. Um, so I heard, I, I was listening to YouTube, and let's go back to the whole marriage thing. I know you don't agree with this, but coming together to get married... Don't expect marriage to to help you find to make you happy, right? So, and this guy, he was he was talking specifically like from from a Christian Christian standpoint, but he said marriage is about coming together to fulfill a godly purpose. It's not really coming together to be to find happiness. It's like you have these two individuals that's coming together for a godly purpose. Um, saying having a united purpose can be the glue that keeps your marriage together. Having a united purpose can be the glue that keeps a marriage together. Um, I thought this, I wrote it down. I was like, man, that was kind of deep. You know, it's just like, I think about us and I think about our kids and I was like, man, we have some awesome children. Like we wouldn't have not had these same awesome children if I would had children with somebody else, mm-hmm. it wouldn't be these same awesome children. Mm-hmm. You know, I think about stuff like that. You know what I mean? Even to where we are today, because our minds are different. Like even your mom said, we're just so opposite of each other. Like you needed me <laughs> to calm you down. You know what I'm saying? You needed somebody like me. Mm-hmm. You should be thankful for me. You know what I mean? I am. I deserve more than fifty dollars so much. <laughs> <laughs> but um. But yeah, 
I just thought I just wanted to end on with something like that. So well, this is something to think about. What do you think about that? I think that's great. I mean, I I I truly believe that that statement had it resonated with me. It had so much truth, and and I would have to break that down on a uh, on a different time of how it spoke to me. But I I really agree with that because I feel like when you are on the same page with you know your spouse. I feel like things move a lot smoother. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things I, I think I would kind of like to say before I kind of give a summary is about expectations. And this one was a big one for me. Um, is really managing your expectations of what marriage is going to look like and, and how life is going to be. Because honestly... We can plan things, but rarely does life go exactly as we planned. Rarely. And so it's important that you can have expectations or you can have you can have um, desires or goals for your relationship. You know, like a goal to always be passionate or always be honest, but to have an expectation that you're the person you're married to will always be honest. To have that expectation, they may not always meet that expectation. So even that may, even though that may be a goal and it's a great goal to work to, know that sometimes they may not meet the mark. And it's important for you to manage your expectations and be realistic about the expectations you set. Not saying that's an unrealistic expectation, but I think that's just important. And so... I kind of want to wrap up, um, and I, I want you to summarize the points that you gave. But for me, I feel summarize. like... Yeah, just give a quick synopsis. They heard me. Okay. So, again, work it's important when you are trying to develop a marriage mindset that you focus on what qualities do you have, what qualities should you be working towards. If you're impatient, try to be learning to be patient. Do your self-work, right? What skills are you going into the relationship with? Are you a good communicator? Do you know how to problem solve? <clears throat> What's your conflict resolution style? Um have you worked on um, compassion and forgiveness for both yourself and other people? Also, having conversations that are centered around family and marriage goals. You know, what are your financial goals? Retirement. How do you want to raise your children? Are you Baptist and he's Protestant? You know, are you Catholic and he's Muslim? These are conversations that you need to be having when you're trying to get yourself prepared for marriage. I'm in with the golden key. Y'all need to write this down. Serve without expectations. Have a servant attitude. Right? Even when you feel like you're not getting anything back, serve anyway. Let's see what happens. That's good teaching. That's good teaching. That's good teaching, Pastor. All right, y'all. I appreciate y'all tuning in and keeping us entertained. And, um, that's it for us. So, until next time, live your best life. Living through your stress life. Huh?